Amen. All right, well, we're there in Luke, chapter number 10, and of course, we've been going through this series, Journey with Jesus, this verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Luke, and tonight, we're going to finish up this uh, chapter, chapter number 10, as we'll look at this final story in this chapter, and then Wednesday night, we'll start into chapter number 11. And what we see tonight is a story of Jesus, of course, uh, being invited to the home of Mary and Martha. If you notice there in verse number 38, the Bible says, Now it came to pass, as they went, that he, referring to Jesus, entered into a certain village. And if you remember, I've been reminding you this is where we're going. Jesus is making his way down to Jerusalem. When the Bible says there, as they went, we are referring to the fact that he is moving down to Jerusalem on his way to Uh, the Passover and eventually the cross. The Bible says that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary. And if you're taking notes tonight and maybe you want to jot some of these things down on the back of your course of the week, there's a place for you to write down some notes. Uh, You can make note of the fact that Martha and Mary are actually Lazarus's sisters. If you remember Lazarus who died and Jesus resurrects him from the grave, They're all related. Mary and Martha are sisters to Lazarus. And, um, of course, Jesus was a good friend of Lazarus and Mary and uh, Martha. And he is now at their house, uh, fellowship. You notice there in verse 39, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha, verse 40, was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, does thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And what we see tonight in this uh, short story is the story of two sisters. And you'll notice there that we have Martha, who is laboring. The Bible says she was cumbered about much serving. And Mary, who is listening. The Bible says about Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet. And what we see is this story play out, and we see some lessons in regards to uh, the Christian life. And I am not one who likes to uh, over-exaggerate statements when we're preaching through the Word of God. Obviously, we've been going through this, this, uh, this, this sermon series on the Gospel of Luke. Uh, So I I don't mean to over-exaggerate things, but, but let me just say this. What we're going to talk about tonight, um, not necessarily this story, but the lesson in this story, uh, in my opinion, is probably uh, one of the most important things that you can learn uh, in regards to your Christian life, in regards to your Christian life and whether you're going to make it in the Christian life. I believe that the reason that this story is in Scripture is because of the idea that's being taught here, and it's not only taught here, it's taught all throughout the Bible, but this idea of how to make it in uh, the Christian life. And I want you to notice here, and if you're taking notes and you're writing down some things, um, I'd like to give you three points tonight. The first point is this. I'd like you to notice in this story Martha's frustrated approach to the Christian life. When we come to this story, we see a very frustrated woman by the name of Martha. And she's frustrated because of her approach to the Christian life. I want you to notice the comparison that is made between Martha's labor and Mary's listening. Notice there 
in verse 40, Luke chapter 10, verse 40. I want you to notice that Martha was very occupied with work. The Bible says, but Martha was cumbered about much serving. And of course, the Lord Jesus Christ was coming. He was coming over to their house. The Bible says there in verse 38 that Martha received him into her house. And as you can imagine, and, uh, uh, you know, when you're going to have guests, you, you like to prepare. Uh, my wife and I, over the years, have had many, many people over. In fact, many of you have came over to our house. And, and we like to have things ready. Of course, when guests are coming, you want to make sure that everything is ready and set, that, that the house is clean and that everything's presentable, that the food is, is prepared. And this is what Martha is doing. She's being a good host and she's getting things ready for this visit with the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Bible says that she was uh, cumbered about much serving. I want you to notice that she was occupied uh, with her work. She was working at this thing of serving, and really, it was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, she's literally serving the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ on this earth is coming to her house, and she's having him over for dinner, and she's trying to make sure that everything's set, that the house is clean, that the, 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 the tables are, are set, and that the drinks are all in their place, and that there's enough napkins, and that the, 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 the different places at the dinner table are, are ready. She's trying to make sure that everything is good to go, and She's occupied with the work. And of course, this is a literal story. This actually happened. But we can take a principle here that Martha was occupied in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. She was working for the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice is that not only was she occupied, but the Bible tells us that she was overwhelmed by the work. Notice again there verse 40. But Martha was, notice this word, cumbered about much serving. The Bible does not only tell us that Martha was about much serving, that would tell us that she was occupied with her work, but the Bible tells us that Martha was cumbered about much serving. The word cumbered means to be burdened. It means to be overloaded. If you remember, and I won't have you turn there, but there's another story of a tree in which Jesus is looking for the tree in the parable. We're told that he's looking for this tree to produce fruit. And when the tree does not produce fruit, he says, why cumbereth this tree, uh, the, the ground on which it is? And, and the idea is that the tree is burdening and overloading the soil in that area. And he says, look, if, you're not gonna, if this tree is not going to produce, we need to get rid of the tree because it's cumbering, it's overloading, it's burdening. And this is what the Bible tells us about Martha, that she was overwhelmed, she was overloaded, she was burdened, she was cumbered about much serving. Now, I want you to compare Martha's labor. She was occupied and she was overwhelmed. And I want you to contrast that with Mary's listening. Look at verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary, which also, I want you to notice that word also. The Bible says she also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. When we see this story, the fact that the Bible tells us that Mary also sat at Jesus' feet, the idea is 
Not that Mary was this lazy sister who allowed Martha to do all the work, get the house picked up and everything arranged and get the meal ready and prepared while she sat there and did nothing. But what the Bible tells us is that both Martha and Mary were busy about the work of preparing the house, preparing the meal, getting things ready for this visit with the Lord Jesus Christ. She was also working alongside Martha. The difference was when Jesus showed up, she stopped working and she sat. She also, alongside her work, she sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. The difference between Martha and Mary is that Mary was not only working, but Mary was also communing with the Lord Jesus Christ. Mary worked and Martha worked, but Mary sat down to commune. She sat down to fellowship. She sat down to, to hear, the Bible tells us, look at the last part of verse 39, to, and she heard his word. And I want you to understand something about this story. And the purpose of this story that we have in Luke chapter uh, 10 regarding Mary and Martha This story highlights the fact that sometimes in the Christian life, people are serving or working for the Lord, like Martha, but they are not communing or listening or fellowshipping with the Lord. See, you got to understand, there's a difference between working for Jesus and walking with Jesus. There's a difference between I'm busy about the work of the ministry and I'm busy about the work of the ministry, but I'm also making sure I'm getting fed. I'm also making sure that I'm going to sit at Jesus' feet and hear his word. See, the story highlights the fact that sometimes in the Christian life, people are serving or working for the Lord, but they are not communing or walking with the Lord. Now, please understand this. This story is not meant in any way, shape, or form to discourage or devalue or de-emphasize the work we do for God. In fact, all throughout the Bible, we are encouraged to work for the Lord. This story is not saying that there is anything wrong with working for God, working for the Lord. We are commanded to do so, and I am thankful that Verity Baptist Church is a working church. It's a church filled of laborers. It's a church filled with people that want to work for God. But I want to also remind you that this story is about not telling us, the purpose of the story is not to tell us that, hey, don't work for God and just listen to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not the purpose of the story. The purpose of the story is to remind us and to show us what happens when you are busy working for the Lord and you're not walking with the Lord. The story is telling us that when you try to do the work of the ministry in the flesh, you will end up overwhelmed and frustrated and cumbered about. See, Mary was listening while Martha was laboring. And Martha, the Bible tells us, was overwhelmed. She was cumbered about. See, you need to understand that the Christian life requires communing with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian life requires fuel. We have to fuel ourselves spiritually. 
And this, this life requires communion with the flesh. You say, why is that? Here's why. And please, please get this. And look, the sermon's not very long, and this idea is not very difficult to understand, but I want you to get this. The Christian life was never meant to be done in the flesh. The, 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 the spiritual work of walking with God and working for God and, 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 and living in, in, in the presence of the Spirit of God. It was never meant to be done in the flesh. It was never meant to be done as some sort of a human effort, just getting yourself to do certain spiritual things. And here's all I'm telling you is when you do that, when you decide to walk with God, quote unquote, and doing it in a way that is not spiritual, in a way that is not fueled through a communion and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, it will leave you overwhelmed. It will leave you frustrated. It'll leave, it'll, it'll leave you uh, feeling burdened. And listen to me, I, I feel sorry. I feel bad for some of you in this room tonight who look at the Christian life as a huge burden. Walking with God is just this burden. Living a separated life is this burden, and it's hard, and it's difficult, and it's not fun, and it's not something that I want. Some of you teenagers here tonight, you've got this idea that, well, as soon as I turn 18 years old, I'm going to move out and do something different because the Christian life is just this burden. And I'm here to tell you something. If that's how you feel tonight, you're not doing it right. You're trying to live for God in the flesh. And it was never meant to be done in the flesh. See, what we see in this story is Martha's frustrated approach to the Christian life. You know the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength? Amen. You know the Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Amen. The Christian life, Paul said, that I might finish my course with joy. The Christian life is not meant to be something. Look, please understand me. I understand the Christian life can be difficult at times. Sometimes we got to fight battles and earnestly contend for the faith. I understand that. But the Christian life was not meant to be this burden, this drudgery, where we're, well, you know, I'm just going to stay married because that's what the Bible says. And I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to have to just till death do us part. You think I want to get to the end of my marriage? Just, well, it's just till death do us part. That's what God said. I'm just hating it. No, you know, I want to get to the end of my course with joy. I want to get to the end of my life with joy. I want to get to the end of my life being married to the same uh, uh, woman and raising children for God and Lord willing pastoring the same church and not get there bitter and not get there burdened and not get there angry and not get there frustrated, but be happy in the Lord. But that'll never happen. Please listen to me. That will never happen while you try to live the Christian life in the flesh. The Christian life was not meant to be lived in the flesh. You see, Martha's frustrated approach. And if you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, that's me. I mean, I only show up for soul winning because if I don't, people are going to think I'm backslidden. You have that attitude, you're already backslidden. It doesn't matter what people think. I only show up for Sunday night church because my husband makes me. I only show up for Sunday night church because my children expect it. I only show up for Sunday night church because my kids are in the choir. I only show up for Sunday night church because, it, it, because I've got this position that I've on. Listen to me. The Christian life was never meant to be lived that way. Amen. It can't be done in the flesh. It's a spiritual work. We see Martha's frustrated approach to the Christian life. I want you to notice, secondly, tonight, not only do we see Martha's frustrated approach to the Christian life, but we see Martha's fleshly attitude 
in the Christian life. Notice, when you try to live the Christian life through the flesh, you end up just having a fleshly attitude in the Christian life. Notice that we see Martha, the characteristics of the Christian life lived in the flesh. And look, I'm here to tell you, my wife and I have been in ministry for 12 years, and over the 12 years of ministry, we have seen people that look exactly what's described here for Martha. And there's one explanation for it. They're trying to do this in the flesh. I mean, look at the Christian life lived in the flesh. Look at verse 40. Her carnality is showed. You say, how do you see her carnality? She's not spiritual. She's not walking with God. She's walking in the flesh. She's trying to do spiritual things in the flesh. And it shows, notice, her carnality showed in her complaining. Look at Luke 10 and verse 40. But Martha was coming about much serving and came to him. Notice, she comes to Jesus and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Notice, you, you say, how can I tell if I'm, if I'm having fun in the Christian life? How can I tell if I've got some joy in the Christian life? How can I tell if I'm trying to live the Christian life in the flesh, if I'm trying to do it out of just forcing myself to do it in the flesh? How can I tell? Here's one great way that you can tell. Are you constantly complaining? Listen to me, you guys, you men. Are you just constantly every day at work, every day at work complaining? Complaining about your job, complaining about your boss, complaining about this, complaining about that. Look, that ought to tell you you're trying to do it in the flesh. By the way, nobody likes work. By the way, it works hard. I've got the greatest job in the world. I'm literally doing my dream. And you know that I don't like work. I mean, tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to open up a Word document, and I'm going to open up, you know, Luke chapter 11, and I'm going to sit there and think to myself, man, I should be do- rather be doing something else. So what are you going to do, Pastor? I'm going to start setting out Luke chapter 11 and prepare a sermon for you. Amen. Say, why? Because that's my job. I do it for the Lord, and I'm not doing it in the flesh. But I'm here to tell you something. When you're just constantly complaining, you're complaining about the church, you're complaining about this, you're complaining about your wife, you're complaining about your husband, you're complaining about where you live. And look, all of that, just realize when you're complaining about your life, it's because you're trying to do it in the flesh. One of the signs of spirituality is contentment, is satisfaction. The Bible says complaining is idiotic. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves amongst ourselves. For they that compare themselves among themselves, the Bible says, are not wise. We see that her carnality showed up in complaining. Lord, does thou not care? But I want you to notice, not only was her carnality seen in complaining, but her carnality showed up in comparing. And by the way, complaining is always connected to comparing. But Martha was comforted about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, does thou not care? Notice, notice her comparison, that my sister hath left me to serve alone. 
She's comparing herself to her sister. And let me tell you something. We won't take the time to turn it. I've preached many sermons out of it. But there's a very interesting psalm in the book of Psalms where we have a man named Asaph. And he says that he almost quit serving God and he quit on God because he got his eyes upon the world. And he began to see the successes of the world. And he began to see the riches of the world. And he began to see the wickedness of the world. And when he began to compare himself to those people, he said, I almost quit on God. That's the road that comparing leads you. Comparing leads you to complaining. Notice the third thing. Her carnality showed up in her criticizing. Look at verse 40. But Martha was coming about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, does thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. Here we have a woman complaining, comparing, criticizing. This is not how the Christian life was meant to be lived. But this is literally how some of you live your lives. Just everything's negative. Everything's hard. Everything's ugly. Everything's bad. I don't like it. You say, why is that? Here's why. Because you're trying to do a spiritual work for God in the flesh. And your fleshly attitude is seen. We see Martha's frustrated approach to the Christian life. And we see Martha's fleshly attitude in the Christian life. See, the Christian life lived in the flesh looks like this. We've had church members like this. They're just constantly complaining, they're constantly comparing, and they're constantly criticizing. And that'll tell you that what comes out of your life is a fruit of what's inside. Because if you're walking with the Spirit, you know what will come as a result of that? The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. So how, can I, how do I know if I'm walking with God? Um, do you have love? Is love coming out of your heart, your mouth, in your life? Joy? Are you joyful? Because you're not joyful if you're complaining and criticizing and comparing. Love? Do you have peace? No, I'm just constantly anxious. I'm constantly, well, then you're, you're, look, let me just help you with something. That didn't come from the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. I'm constantly stressed out about how, the life, how things are going to happen in the economy and the present. Let me tell you something. If you're walking with the Spirit, you'd have love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Amen. You'd be patient. You'd be long-suffering with people. You wouldn't be flying off the handle. Gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance. Say, so what's temperance? Self-control. You'd have discipline. You'd have the discipline to get up early in the morning and read the Bible and go to work and do what you're supposed to do. These are all the things that come out of the spirit-filled life. You know what comes out of the flesh-filled life? Criticizing, complaining, comparing. The Christian life's not meant to be lived. Look, it's impossible to live the Christian life trying to do it in the flesh. So we see Martha's frustrated approach. And to be honest with you, I'm very concerned for some of our people here at this church. Because it seems like you're very frustrated. And I'm here to tell you, you're not supposed to be living the Christian life in the flesh. You say, well, how are you supposed to be living the Christian life? Well, you're not, the Christian life is not meant to be lived in the flesh. The Christian life, you're there in Luke, go to John, John chapter 15. The Christian life is meant to be fueled by the Word of God. 
So what is the Christian life supposed to look like? Here's what it's supposed to look like. It's impossible to do in the flesh. Look, it's impossible for my wife and I to do what God has called us to do as a pastor and pastor's wife of this church. We can't do it. There's no possible way that we could perform the actions and, and do all the things that are required of us as, as a pastor and pastor's wife. Of even a church this, I mean, we, we run 200 on a Sunday morning. It's impossible. By the way, it's impossible for you to raise your children for God. It's impossible. Some of you I'm going to discourage right now. Some of you, um, you know, I'm going to encourage right now. It's impossible for you to have a happy marriage. It can't happen. It's impossible for you to do that in the flesh. It can't happen. You can't have two individuals walking in the flesh and expect them to be married for decades and till death to us part and be happy about it. It can't happen, which is why there's like a 70% divorce rate because trying to do it in the flesh is impossible. God never called you to do it in the flesh. See, the Christian life lived in the flesh is a failure. You say, well, what's the Christian life supposed to look like? Here's what it's supposed to look like. It's supposed to look like being fueled by the word of God. John 15, are you there? Look at verse 3. John 15. Now ye are clean. Don't, Don't miss this. Now ye are clean. The word clean means holy, set aside, sanctified. Not perfect in the sense that you and I think of perfect like sinless. Obviously, none of us are sinless. We're always going to be sinners. But Jesus says, now ye are clean. And see, see that statement right there, for some of you, that, that's already, oh, it's a burden. It's this burden. See, you're not getting your philosophy from the Word of God. You're getting your philosophy from Sigmund Freud telling you that, that the conscience and telling you something's right and something's wrong. It's this burden. See, you say, I can't do that. I can't live the Christian life. I can't live a holy life. I can't give up my rock and roll music. I can't give up my drugs. I can't give up my alcohol. I can't give up my, my cussing. I can't give up my bad attitude. You say, I can't do it. Well, it's not that you can't do it. It's that you're doing it wrong. Because many Christians have done it. You say, how do I do it? Here's how. Now ye are clean. Here's the only way. Through the word. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. The only way to live the Christian life is through the word of God. Now ye are clean through the word. Which I have spoken unto you. Don't miss this. Remember, Jesus, Jesus is what? The word. The Word made flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now ye are clean through the Word which I have spoken unto you. Notice what he says, verse 4, abide in me. He said, what was, what was Mary doing when she sat? Get that beautiful picture. I, I, I wish we could have physically done that, all of us. I wish we could physically have done what she did when she, the Bible says she sat at Jesus' feet. I mean, I get this picture, you know, Jesus said that, that suffer little children to come unto me for of such is the kingdom of God. I, I just envision this grown woman almost as a child as Jesus sits to teach and to speak and to expound upon the word of God. And she just, I just envision her sitting Indian style at the feet of Jesus, just listening, hearing the words, communing with Jesus. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. 
As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in me, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I, 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 wish, I wish the Holy Spirit would give me the words to help you understand this. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. Say, so what does that mean? If, if, you think, if, if you think about it in the sense of a tree, Jesus is saying, I'm the trunk. You're the branches. A branch is not, it, it, it's not a, a plant life that lives on its own. You don't go out into the world, well, there's a branch, just all by itself. A branch is always connected to a vine, to a trunk, to a source. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Don't miss it. Look at it. For with me, ye, without me, ye can do nothing. Say, so, ah, uh, the Christian life isn't working. Yeah, of course it's not going to work if you're not abiding in Jesus. He already told you you can't do it without Jesus. You think you're going to be a soul winner like my dad is for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, uh, and live your life going on a mission trip next week into Mexico? You think you're going to do that just in the flesh? I am the vine, ye are the branches, he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Notice verse 6, if a man abide not in me. Jesus is the word. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. You say, is that talking about losing your salvation? No, that's talking about dying in your Christian life. Because you know what happens when you rip a branch off a trunk and just set it off to the side? It'll dry out and it'll die. And that's some of your Christian lives. I don't understand why it's not working. I don't understand why it's not working. Because you're supposed to be connected to Jesus. Amen. You're supposed to be abiding in the vine. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Notice there is a connection between, you say, I'd like to abide in Jesus. That sounds good. Okay, how do you do that practically? If you abide in me and my words abide in you. It has to do with your connection to the word of God. Keep your finger there in, in, in John. Go to Psalm 1. Psalm 1, if you open your Bible just right in the center, you're more than likely found the book of Psalms. Psalm 1. I remember years ago, Brother Stucky was preaching for us. I remember he made the statement, and I, I, I agreed with the statement. I, I did not disagree with the statement, but when he made the statement, I thought to myself, that's an interesting way of saying that. And, and the more I thought about the statement that he made, the more that I, I just realized, yeah, he's, he's right. And the statement that he made years ago was this. He said, there are two types of Christians in this world, those who read the Bible and those who don't. And it's so true because the key to living a long and joyful Christian life is being connected to the vine, the word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, 
nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, please, please get this, his delight, the blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And then, then, then don't miss it, because we like verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You say, what's the key? What is the key to being blessed? What is the key to being firm, to being planted by the rivers, to bringing forth your fruit in his season, not having your leaf also wither, having everything in your life, uh, have the blessing of God and having God prosper? You say, what's the key? Here's the key. His delight is in the law of the Lord. This is why you, you go to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17. You're there in Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17. This is why Joshua wrote in the book of Joshua, he said, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. And then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Amen. See, the Christian life is meant to be fueled. It's meant to be fueled by the Word of God. And if you're not being fueled by the Word of God, that fuel of your flesh, you can do it for a little while, but it's going to run out. You can do it for a short amount of time, but it won't last. Jeremiah 17, 8, For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out of her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaves shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. See, Brother Sucky was right all those years ago. There's two types of Christians in this world. Those who read the Bible. Those who allow the word of God to feel them. Those who sit at Jesus' feet and hear his words. And those who just labor in the flesh. Well, I mean, I show up Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I mean, I serve and I volunteer. I mean, I, I, I go soul winning and I do, I'm doing all those things. Yeah, you're doing all those things. But when you're not sitting at Jesus' feet, you'll be cumbered about. You'll be frustrated and fleshly. And it won't last. Go back to Luke chapter 10. I, I, I brought this up so many times. I'm always just amazed at how accurate. I brought this up. I read years ago, I read this study that said the average quote-unquote Christian will live the Christian life for three years. When they make it past the three-year mark, they're usually good until the seventh-year mark. I mean, over the years, my, it's uncanny. My wife and I have just been amazed, you know, when people quit on God. And it's like, yep, it, it, three, I mean, it's like three years to the date. Or it's like, it's, I mean, literally it's like seven years, and it's like, they're done. I mean, it's like I'm a stinking prophet. And I wish I wasn't. Luke chapter 10. We see Martha's frustrated approach to the Christian life. We see Martha's fleshly attitude in the Christian life. Number three, I'd like you to notice Martha's failing attempt at the Christian life. She's frustrated and she's walking in the flesh. Verse 41, and Jesus answering said unto her, Martha, Martha. One of these days I'm going to do a study on all the times the Bible repeats the names twice. You know, 
You know what's coming next is not good for Martha. When Jesus says, Martha, Martha, notice the wrong preoccupations. Thou art careful. The word careful means anxious. It means stressed out. The Bible says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Thou art careful and troubled about many things. He says, Martha, the problem, the reason you're so frustrated, the reason you're so cumbered, you're so burdened, you're so overwhelmed, the reason you're so carnal, you're criticizing and complaining and comparing, the reason for these things is because you have the wrong preoccupations. Thou art careful and troubled about many things. You're, you're, you're distracted with the wrong things. Go to Mark, real quickly. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. You're there in Luke. Just go backwards one book. Mark chapter 4, look at verse 18. Mark chapter 4 and verse 18. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. Notice Mark four nineteen, And the cares of this world, the worries of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. See, there's two types of Christians in this world. Those who put their roots down and get their fuel from something other than their flesh, and those who don't. She had the wrong preoccupation. Go back to Luke chapter 10. I want you to notice the right priority. I love, I love what Jesus says here in Luke 10, 42. Because here you have Martha complaining about her sister Mary. Lord, does thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, make her help me. And here's Jesus' response, verse 42. But one thing is needful. I love that phrase, one thing. Paul said, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark. She said, he says, he says look, you're, you're, you're worried about a lot of things. You're careful about a lot of things. You're preoccupied with a lot of things. You've got a lot, of th- a lot of things have your attention, Martha. But one thing is needful. Don't miss it. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. You know what Jesus says? He says, Martha, you'd be better off sitting at my feet and communing with me. It's good to work for Jesus. Please, 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 please get this. It's good to work for Jesus, but you better make sure you have a walk with Jesus. Make sure you're sitting at Jesus' feet. Make sure you're hearing his words. Go to Acts 17. Acts 17. You're there in Luke, John, Acts, Acts 17. Acts chapter 17, but one thing is needful. See, you you have this story. I, I hope I'm making sense. You got Martha, cumbered about much serving, working for the Lord Jesus Christ, getting everything ready and saying, well, it's for Jesus. I'm doing it for Jesus. And praise God for it. And you've got Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his words, communing with Christ, And Jesus says, hey, Martha, why don't you take some time to refuel? 
You say, well, how, how, can I, how can I do that? I mean, how can I sit at Jesus' feet? Listen to me. You can sit at Jesus' feet every day. You can start every day opening up this Bible and just sit at Jesus' feet and let the words of God and let the words of Jesus fuel you, help you, strengthen you. And by the way, it's the only way to do it and not be frustrated and hating life. You might actually start being filled with the Spirit and feeling things you haven't felt in a long time like joy and peace and love. Acts 17 and verse 10. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming hither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word. We've seen this. I, I've sh- I mean, I don't know how many times I've even showed you this verse, but I've showed it to you for a reason. They received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 17. Deuteronomy 17. I don't know how many times over the years I've pleaded with you, with Verity Baptist Church, to develop a daily devotional time, to have a disciplined daily devotional time where you get alone with God and the Word of God and you read the Word of God and you allow Jesus to speak into your heart and you get fueled from the Word of God. I don't know how many sermons have been preached from this pulpit. I don't know how many points have been made from these scriptures. And to be honest with you, I'm afraid to even know how many people in this church even read their Bibles. I, 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 I honestly, I, I don't even want to know. I, if, if, if we took a survey and I actually found out the number, I, I might just quit the ministry. It's so frustrating that you think you can live the Christian life in the flesh. And how long can you go without eating physically? You're trying to live the Christian. And then you wonder why you can't get along with your husband. Then you wonder why you can't get along with your wife. Then you wonder why you can't have victory in, 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 with sin in your life. You wonder why you get so upset and so angry. You wonder why you, you don't have the things. That you watch other people say, why are they so happy? Why are they so joyful? Why are they living that way? It's because they're not doing it. Jesus is doing it through them. Amen. And you know that God has no respect for persons? You can do it. Two, but you won't. Many won't. Deuteronomy 17, verse 18. And it shall be when he, this is Moses giving instructions to the future king of Israel, when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write him a copy of his law in the book, out of that which, uh, which is before the priests, the Levites. Notice verse 19. And it shall be with him. Notice what God says. And he shall read therein all the days of his life. That he may learn to fear the Lord as God. Why do I have to read the Bible? That you may learn to fear the Lord your God. Amen. That he may learn to fear the Lord as God. Why do I need to read the Bible? To keep all the words of this law and these statutes. Why do I need to read the Bible? To do them. To do them. I wish you would believe me. I wish you would believe me when I tell you that the word of God, I'm not just a pastor trying to earn a paycheck. I'm really not. I wish you would believe me when I told you that this Bible can literally solve all of your problems. I mean, it can solve everything. It can answer everything. It can take care of everything. It's all right here. 
And we ignore it. And we ignore it and ignore it and ignore it and ignore it. And then our flesh gets frustrated. And you wonder why you can't live the Christian life. I wish you'd make a decision today to become a faithful Bible reader. I don't, I don't know about reading the Bible. I, I wish you would make a decision today that you would make an appointment with the Lord Jesus Christ and sit at the feet of Jesus and just commune with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Just you and God. I've taught you this over the years. It's not hard. Choose a place. Just pick a place. Find a place. Have a plan. Get a, get a chart. Look, I don't, I don't know how much easier. I mean, I, 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 I try... You know, we, we motivate you with, with nine chapters a day every year. Amen. And then we, we give you charts that say, well, you read the whole New Testament. Now you can read the whole Old Testament. It won't even take that long. You can probably read for about seven minutes every day. Choose a place and get a plan and make an appointment and make it a priority. Amen. Because there's two types of Christians in this world. The ones who make it and the ones who don't. Or the ones who make it with joy and the ones who are frustrated the entire time. But one thing is needful. One thing. You say, well, Pastor, I come to church and I'll let you teach me the Bible. You know, you would get better at coming to church and hearing the word. of Your heart would be ready to hear the sermons if you spent time in the word every day. Amen. Go to Second Peter, if you would, chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. You say, Pastor, I think, I think you're preaching at me. Well, good. Amen. That's the point. I, I remember years ago, I used to get, people would be like, because you'd be surprised how bold people are. They walk up to you, was that sermon memory? And I'd be like, oh, well, no, no, no. And I was like, was that sermon memory? Like, yes, it was. You right there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know your name, but if you think it was for you, though, it's worth for you. And some of you are like, I don't read the Bible, Pastor, you're preaching at me. Yes, I'm preaching at you. Because I'm worried about your marriage. Because I'm worried about your children. Because I'm worried about you ruining your life. Yes, I'm preaching to you. 2 Peter 1, verse 19. See, there are two things that come with Bible reading. Sitting at Jesus' feet. Communing with the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that song we sing, I come to the garden alone. That, that song is all about spending time with Jesus. 2 Peter 1 and verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. That's your King James Bible, amen? amen. Does you know good to have a perfect, preserved, inspired, infallible word of God if you never read it? We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well to take heed. Don't, don't, it's funny to me, the more times I look at this one verse, the more times over the, over the, I mean, honestly, over the last several months, the more times I look at this one verse, the more that I see in this one verse. Because a few months ago, I preached a sermon about Bible reading, and I was highlighting, because I would recently just kind of seen this spiritually as I was reading the Bible, where the Bible says, because usually when we go to this verse, we're, we're preaching about the King James Bible. Praise God for it. Amen. A more sure word of prophecy, and, it, and that it is. Amen. 
But because we always emphasize the more sure word of prophecy, the more sure word of prophecy, I had lost the fact that it says, whereunto ye do well to take heed. And what he's saying is, look, you've got a Bible that is reliable. The word of the Lord is perfect. So take heed to it. Listen to it. Let it guide you. Actually do what it tells you to do. Keep, keep your finger right there, Second Peter. Go, go to Psalms. I'm not sure if you kept your place in Psalms. We're, just, we're in Psalms. Psalm 119. See, there, there, there's two things that you should be getting out of, out of your Bible reading every day. You say, what are they? One is spiritual application. One is that you read the Bible and you're like, yeah, I need to stop, I need to stop doing that. Or I need to start doing that. Spiritual application. Ye do well that ye take heed. You do well that ye take heed. Psalm 119, are you there? Look at verse 105. Psalm 119 is about the word of God. The whole chapter is about the word of God. Just look at verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know that the purpose of, you said, what's the purpose of, what's the purpose of my reading? It'll guide you. It'll tell you what to do. It'll tell you what not to do. It'll tell you why to do it or why not to do it. It should be a lamp unto thy feet and a light unto thy path. It should be spiritual application. I mean, I, I've preached that so many, many times. It's, it's ridiculous. The, the, the whole point, and again, even coming to church, you say, pa- pa- pastor does Bible preaching. It doesn't help you if you don't actually do it. Right. You would do well to take heed. You would do well to take heed. You would do well to take heed. Amen. Spiritual application. That's why you read the Bible. But then you have this question. What if I don't like reading the Bible? What if I'd rather go on Facebook? What if I'd rather go on YouTube? What if I'd rather do anything else than read the Bible? You know, the problem with you is that you're carnal. You're not spiritual. And you can't live the Christian life being fueled off of flesh. It's not going to work. So you say, well, I don't understand because I need the word of God to fuel me to live the Christian life, but I'm so carnal, I don't like reading the word of God. So what, what, how does this work? Here's how it works. Go back to 2 Peter chapter 1. Here's another truth. Maybe you've seen this before. I'd never really, I'd, I'd seen it, obviously. I'd read the verse thousands of times, but something I'd just never really seen. Because, you know, the Word of God is quick and powerful. It's alive. Every time you read it, there's something new. There's something fresh. 2 Peter 1.19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed. That's, that's, that's the spiritual application, right? But notice there's another thing that Bible reading does for you. You got the spiritual application but then you also have a spiritual awakening. Don't, don't, don't miss it. Look at it. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. That's the word of God. Whereunto ye do well to take heed. That's the scriptural application. As unto a light that shineth in a dark place. 
That's your fleshly heart. That's your carnal heart. You say, Pastor, what happens if a carnal Christian decides, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the Bible every day. I'm just going to do it. Pa- Pastor keeps telling us, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to pick a place. I'm going to get a plan. I'm going to make an appointment. Maybe I'm not going to read much. Maybe I'm just a proverb of the day. I'm just going to read. I'm just going to read and, 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 and ask God. And by the way, every morning, my wife and I wake up. My wife makes a cup of coffee. We sit down and we read the Word of God. We don't read it together. We read it separately, but we read it to, together, if that makes sense. We do it at the same time. Every morning when I open this King James Bible, I, I pray the same prayer, a quote from, from, from Psalm 119. I, I, I pray this prayer as I open the Word of God to the Lord Jesus Christ. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Amen. Every, every morning I ask God, would you let me see something out of your Word of God, out of the Word today? Would you speak to me today? Sometimes it's informational. Sometimes it's convicting. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And, and notice what will happen when you do. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until, notice, don't miss it, until the day dawn and the day star. You say, who's the day star? The day star is the star you see in the day. You know what that star is called? It's called the sun. You know who's referred to and represented in the word of God as the sun? The son of God, the son of righteousness the bright and morning star the day star notice until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart you know what the bible says the bible says that if you open and read the word of god and you take heed thereto something will happen in your heart and god will begin to work and the holy spirit will begin to work and the day star will begin to arise in your heart and you'll experience something that i'm afraid many of you have never experience and it's a walk with God where you actually love the Lord where you're not doing it because it's expected of you where you're not doing it because you know I just kind of thought all the the cool kids are doing where you actually love God and if all forsook you you'd still love him and if all left you, you'd still not love them. And if everybody, if nobody was looking and you could get away with whatever sin, you still wouldn't because you're not doing it for any other reason than the day star has risen in your heart. Amen. I hope some of you teens will develop a walk with God. Before you turn 18, I hope that day star will rise in your heart. Go to Luke 24. Luke 24. I'm not, I'm not trying to, to hyper-spiritualize this for you, but I'm just, I'm just telling you that there, there's, something, there's something about a Christian who's walking with God. And, and, and it's just so clear. The Bible says if we walk in the Spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Luke 24, look at verse 32. This is what I'm talking about. Luke 24, 32. Remember Jesus? He'd risen from the dead. He's walking with his disciples. They don't know it's him. After he reveals himself, he disappears. Here's what they said. And they said one to another, Luke 24, 32. 
Did not our hearts burn within us? Spiritual heartburn. It's a good thing. Did not our hearts burn within us? While he, who's the he? Jesus Christ, the word of God, talked with us by the way. What did they do with Jesus? They fellowshiped with Jesus. The same thing Mary was doing. She sat at Jesus' feet, communed with Jesus, fellowship with Jesus. They walked down the road talking to Jesus. They communed with Jesus, and they said, did not our hearts burn within us? What are they referring to? They're referring to the fact that when they spoke to the Word of God, they communed with the Word of God. They fellowship with the Word of God. The day dawned, and the day star arose in their hearts. Did not our hearts burn within us? While they talked with us, by the way, And while he opened to us the scriptures. Go back to Luke chapter 10. May I tell you something? There's two types of Christians in this world. Those who are frustrated and those who are joyful. Those who are overburdened and overwhelmed. Those are excited to serve. Those who will last, like Paul said, those who will get to the end of their lives and say, I have finished my course, I have ran the race, henceforth there is laid out for me a crown of righteousness, I'm finishing with joy. And those who will quit. You say, why? Here's why. Because there are some Christians that actually walk with Jesus. And there are others that only work for Jesus. And working for Jesus was never meant to be done in the flesh. So we see in our story, Luke 10, 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, does thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. She's cumbered. She's burdened. She's frustrated. She's not fueled by the word of God. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So here's a question for you. Which are you? I mean, I'm assuming you're here on a Sunday night. I'm not worried about whether you're working for God. I'm just wondering if you're also walking with God. Are you Mary? Or are you Martha? Because one's frustrated. The other one's joyful. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand this story. I agree with Brother Stuckey many years later. 
there are two types of Christians. Those who commune with Jesus and those who don't. And Lord, I pray you'd help us. If I could force people, if I could preach it into them, I would. I pray you'd help us to develop the discipline to walk with you every day. And Lord, I pray that something miraculous would happen. That the day star would dawn, dawn in the hearts of our church people. That the Son of God would allow that spiritual burning in our hearts. And that we would know, maybe for some, for the first time ever, what it actually means to be filled with the Spirit of God. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, Brother Moses, come up and lead us in a final song. Don't forget, if you need to sign up for the Soul Winning Seminar, we hope you'll do that tonight. If you've not yet done it, please help us with that. And I realize you've got to maybe make some arrangements.